Welcome, everybody, Yak Shamash, to the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And we got a big show today. Seems like we've had, Scotty, the past couple of weeks, we've had some big shows with Jack Sitchi last week. Uh, coming up later, after we talk with our current guest on the line, uh, we'll have Alec James. Uh, it's part of a kind of a simulcast type interview we had with Bucky's Fifth Podcast, part of the Bucky's Fifth Quarter Podcast family. Uh, so, a great conversation with Alec about his NFL journey and what lies ahead for him, especially after a great pro day that he had. But, you know, right now, let's focus in on uh, since uh, we're talking all Wisconsin sports here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Uh, we got the Polish rival Scott Wisniewski here, and then also from Acme Packing Company, we've had him on seems like dozens of times over the past three, four years. Uh, tech, you know, Tex. We got Evan Tex Western on the phone, and uh, Evan, man, it's uh, I know it's been busy for for me and for Scotty trying to get interviews uh, and, and trying to prepare for the NFL draft. I can only imagine what you guys at Acme Packing Company are doing right now. Yeah, it's. Uh... And, and first, I mean, thanks for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure. But um, yeah, this this week and, and really the last month or so have since, since uh, free agencies sort of died down. Um, it's just a, a blur um, going through pro days and, and combines and everything. And uh, yeah, I think we're we're as ready as we're going to get. I think we've we've thought about just about all the possible scenarios for what the Packers could do at 14 or, or you know moving up or down or, or what have you. So um yeah, it'll, it just let's let's just get to Thursday night and get it started, right? Exactly, exactly. But you know, let's talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about. I mean, we earlier tonight, right? Um, you know, before we even get into the free agency talk, because uh, we'll, we'll ask about free agency and how it's going to affect the draft. But you know, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network had a report out there about what the Packers potentially moving up, if I'm not mistaken, or or being or looking to move up potentially from their number right. 14 slot. Uh, we also saw from, you know, PackersNews.com, uh, Aaron Nagler with his corresponding tweet saying, yes, sources have told me they may move up. They may move down. They may stay at number 14. Uh, what do you make of that report about, you know, Brian Gutekunst having that chance, opportunity, uh, you know, maybe making a splash, which is intriguing, but uh, do you think he actually will do it? Or, I mean, like, how do you assess this situation where, you know, there's could be a lot of smoke, but is there actually fire in these instances uh, leading up to the draft? Yeah, well, this is an interesting situation, right? Because, I mean, the Packers have 12 picks this year. Um, they've only got three picks in, in the first three rounds, but they've got all those compensatory picks in day three. And I, I just think it makes sense for them to move up at some point. And, and if you ask me... Um, Doing it right off the bat where um, I, I think the drop-off, especially at defensive back, the drop-off from the, the top three guys being Denzel Ward, uh, Derwin James, and Minka Fitzpatrick, the drop-off from those three down to the next tier, starting with maybe a Joshua Jackson, uh, Isaiah Oliver, and those guys, I think that's a huge gap. And I think the, the with the issues that the Packers have had in the secondary over the last couple of years, they could really use a difference maker back there. Um, and so I think this, that's where they're going to go if they do decide to move up. And uh, actually we did today at, at Acme Packing Company, we did our final predictions for, for what's going to happen with the Packers first round pick. And that was actually where I went before that report came out was I said, I think they're, I think they're moving up and I think they're going to move up for Denzel Ward because fundamentally I think again, he's, I think he's the best corner cornerback in the draft by far. He's the best cover guy, and although he's a little bit on the on the smaller side, you can pair him, a quicker, faster, smaller guy, with Kevin King on the opposite side, who's big, tall, physical, and uh, that can be a really good uh, tandem for for years to come. So, if it, it makes sense to me to move up for a defensive back, I don't think there there's really another position where it makes sense for that. But um, my, my sense sense in this is that there's something there, and that. Uh, the good against is probably just trying to get the message out that uh, teams should be expecting to hear some calls uh, from, from him uh, once, once they go on the clock in the top 10. So tax in order for them to get Ward, which I agree, I think he's the best of, of all of them. How far up do you think they'd have to move? You know, what would that trade partner look like? Who would it have to be for them to, to net uh, Ward? Yeah, and I think that I think they're going to have to get probably to nine to San Francisco. Um, 
some of the mocks are, are are sending Ward, you know, off in the top five or six. And and if that happens, I mean, that's that's I think out of the Packers' range. I think they can feasibly get to maybe eight or seven based on the picks that they've got at their disposal. Um, anything higher than that, and, and and I just don't think they have the ammo to get there uh, without giving up some of next year's picks, which the Packers pretty much will will never do. And I don't think any Ted Thompson disciple ever will will give up uh, future year's draft picks. But yeah, I think uh, eight or nine, I think is, is around where I could see Ward going. And so, you know, maybe the Raiders at 10 is a good landing spot for him. So maybe the Packers need to sneak up ahead of them um, and, and land him. I think Derwin James probably goes to the Bucks at seven. Um, and I think that is what uh, lets, lets Ward slip a spot or two, um, you know, down in the bottom half of the top 10. But can I, let me just follow up with that too, because this is obviously a new regime, though you mentioned a Ted Thompson disciple. Um, but, more, you know, and every year we talked about this with Ted. Is he going to go for need or is he going to go for best available? There's clearly a need. And it's not that the Packers didn't try to address cornerback and free agency. It was just a really high-priced market this year. But do you think no matter where they're picking, whether they stay at 14, whether they move up, that they're taking a defensive back at, at whatever spot they draft? No, I don't think necessarily. I think if they do decide to stick at 14, um, and if those top three guys come off the board, I think you'll see a pass rusher instead. I think you'll see either Harold Landry or Marcus Davenport be the guy. Um, just because, again, I see that gap between um, between those top three guys and the next tier of corners being, being so big that I, I wouldn't feel comfortable using the 14th pick on a Josh Jackson or, or any of these guys. I think that, that you need to be down into the 20s before it really makes sense. Uh, whereas I think you can you can justify a you know a pick in the mid teens on on a guy like Landry or Davenport. We're here with Tex Western of Acme Packing Company. Of course, follow him on the Twitter at Tex Western, if I'm not mistaken. I'm remembering that off the top of my head. But uh, also a huge uh, NHL fan. We won't get into NHL talk till later. Uh, go Preds uh, on my end. That's my adopted team. I'm I'm completely bandwagoning it. I'm just letting you know that text on that note. But uh, you know, kind of taking a broader picture when it comes to this. You know, we talk about free agency. You know, we haven't talked to you since you know free agency started, and we haven't talked about just exactly you know what's happened. You know, Mo Wilkerson signed. Uh, obviously, used to play for Mike Pettin uh, in New York. Jimmy Graham, tight end, signed with the Packers, uh, and but you know you really didn't see maybe a, a, I know they, re, they had Tremont Williams, they signed, uh, you know they had you know Devon House uh, re-signed, but no real wide receiver. Jordy Nelson goes bye bye. How has the free agency and what they've done so far affected what the you know what they need in this draft and who potentially they should target heading into tomorrow night? Right. Um, yeah. As far as the defensive backs go, you know, certainly not landing one of the top corners in the um, in this year's market uh, ma- maintains that need there for for this roster. So certainly, you know, the defensive backfield is going to need, need some addressing. And and with Jordy departing in, in free agency, obviously that frees up about ten million dollars in cap space. But that leaves a hole at the number two boundary receiver position opposite of Devonte Adams. Now Jimmy Graham can can fill some of what Jordy did, uh, especially in the red zone. I think you're you're going to see the the Packers be just as productive as they've been in the red zone. Uh, over the last several years, which is basically one of the top teams in the NFL. It's getting to the red zone that's going to be the challenge, <clears throat> as it's been for a couple of years. So so does Graham give you enough between the 20s to, you know, to, to again, stretch the field and, and move the ball down the field? I don't know. I don't know that we really know what he can do because I think Seattle used him really poorly over the last couple of years. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see a, either a receiver or a tight end project sometime on day two. Um, the, the second round receiver special was kind of one of Ted Thompson's favorite things, and, and he, he hit on, on several of those picks. So I, I certainly think that there's a couple of guys who could slip into the middle of the second round uh, down at pick 45. So, you know, players like Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, even DJ Chark, you know, those names are in there, I think, in play in, in the second round. But um, 
as far as far as Muhammad Wilkerson goes, I think the defensive line is solid. You definitely don't need to take an early pick there, which is good because this isn't a great class as far as that goes anyway. So I think you can wait until maybe you know day three to to find a guy on the front line. But again, the the pass rush is still a situation that I think you need another body there to to really start developing into a a starter caliber or an impact pass rusher because Clay Matthews' contract is up after this year. Uh, Nick Perry continues to to have some nagging injuries, so you still have. A, a little bit of a hole there um, when these, you know, when those guys miss a little bit of time or, or rotate out of the lineup. So yeah, that's that's where I kind of land. Is you know the, the the big needs still are, are in the defensive backfield at, at the pass rush, and then again getting Aaron Rodgers another weapon or two is going to be critical as well. Tex, you know, just to go back uh, again, we, we talked about the drop off at, at defensive back between that top tier, those three guys, and then the second tier in round two though at pick forty five. How would you assess the drop-off between, say, the second tier and the third tier, and would they be able to find a quality player in the second round that might be able to help with the secondary right away? Yeah, I think there are a number of second-round caliber cornerbacks who can step in and at least give you some you know, 10, 15, 20 snaps a game of, of pretty quality play. Um, some of the, again, some of the names there, Mike Hughes out of UCF, I think could do it. He's a little shorter than the Packers tend to like at corner, but, um, he, he played really well last year at UCF. He's also got some return ability, which could help out Dante Jackson from LSU is a, a good possibility as maybe a slot guy. And, and it sounds like Isaiah Oliver is going to be, you know, probably gone by the end of round one, but if somehow he slips into the early part of round two, I'd love to see the Packers maybe move up and, and make a move for him because I think he can be a, definitely a, a very very good outside cornerback as well. So there are guys, if they do go pass rush in, on day one, uh, you can definitely find some some players who can help you right away uh, this season uh, with that 45th pick. We're with Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company here on Bucky's fifth quarter's Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And uh, Jay Kokorowski, you got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here. When it comes to... I mean, maybe talking about, you know, talking about those picks with that, uh, would a name, uh, you talk some cornerbacks, would a particular cornerback who just had reported, had a reported meniscus tear and is only going to possibly only <laughs> miss six weeks, uh, one that you and I have watched quite often, uh, Tex, one you being an alum, me just covering the team, uh, may, that leads into my next question with Nick Nelson or any, you know, of course it's my question. I think every year, maybe to you, but which Wisconsin Badger do you see? Uh, could you know the Packers potentially select if any, and, and and what which ones would make sense? I mean, I think Nelson might if they, you know, depend upon who they get in the first round. Uh, Jack Sitchie could fill in at linebacker need. Uh, even looking maybe late, taking a flyer on a, a fullback like Austin Ramish, who told us that, you know, he visited Wisconsin, uh, not Wisconsin, but he visited Green Bay uh, a few weeks back. And I mean, he, his agent is John Cooden's agent and Kevin Gold. So, you know, you have that going on for, so maybe there's something there where, you know, they can utilize his skill set there based off of his great pro day. Uh, which, which Badgers do you see could join the likes of a Vince Beagle or Jared Aberderis being drafted or even, I would say, even signed by the Packers this weekend? Yeah, it's really interesting because they're the schemes that, that Jim Leonard has run. Um, you know, Leonard played for Mike Pettin, the, the Packers' new defensive coordinator for several years in the NFL. And so I think there's a lot that translates between the the scheme that the that Wisconsin runs right now and the type of defense that Pettin's going to bring. So honestly, really any of the defensive prospects who who are you know in that that third day, um, you know, the the Sitchies, the even the Garrett Dooley's, uh Nate Natural Jamerson, I think all of those guys are are in play and I think it's also telling that uh, Green Bay had so many of them in for official visits before the draft too. I think it, it's it speaks to you know something about the the way that that Leonard is coaching there in Madison that uh, kind of aligns with with maybe what Mike Pettin is looking for. I, I do agree. I think Nelson could be a real good fit. Um, he he fits what the the Packers tend to look for in their cornerbacks in terms of size and quickness and speed. So so that's definitely a possibility. Um, I, I was definitely for his sake very encouraged to see that. Um, that that surgery went well and that uh, his, his recovery time is, is knocked down a little bit. So, so fingers crossed for him. Um, 
personally, uh, I, just for the story, I would love to see Sitchi in Green Bay. I'd love to see him there on a third day pick. Um, you know, bring him in and and let him compete for a, a special teams job and uh, and and get some playing time on on defense. Um, a little bit here and there. And then, um, you know, again, the other linebackers as well, even Leon Jacobs and, and again, Dooley. I think there's roles for those guys. You could start them off with some special teams and, and depending on how the, the early part of the draft board has shaken out. Um, if you don't, if the Packers don't end up taking a, an inside linebacker, you know, maybe, maybe Sitchi or, or Jacobs could be in play there. Um, and same thing with Dooley on the edge. So, um, but, but I do keep kind of coming back to Jamerson. I think more than, more than any of the others, just because, again, he, he brings a little bit of that hybrid corner safety skill set. He's got a little bit of return ability. Um, he, he's certainly got all the athletic ability you could look for in a defensive back. And so that's the name that I keep coming back to thinking if there's one that I'm going to hang my hat on as being the most likely guy to be in Green Bay, I feel like it's Jamerson sometime in you know, maybe round, late round five, six, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I mean, so, hitting, hitting that. Oh, sorry, Scotty, real quick on that. I mean, I, I know our friend Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter and Acme Packing Company lore. Uh, I mean, he thinks Jamerson's going to be a 10 year vet uh, just based on his special teams play and, and just that versatility, like you mentioned. And I, I, I'm tending to agree. I think any Jim mm-hmm. Leonard during spring ball mentioned uh, me, you know, when I asked him about you know, Jamerson, he said that his best football still ahead of him because he hasn't played it. You know, he's converted cornerback for two years and then he was a safety, but he was hurt for most of his junior season at at cornerback. So, uh, and in the way he said the the game's playing that he thinks safety would be his best fit, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I like Jamerson a lot on that. I think he's going to be really, uh, I mean, uh, depending on how long he lasts, I mean, I think he could be a pro bowl caliber punt gunner, you know, the way that he played, last mm-hmm. year in the way that special teams, he has that ability to be a, a pro bowl special teamer. Now what he does after that, you know, like what he does with defensively remains to be seen, but I think he's going to carve out a great career, at least in the special teams level. Well, the Packers could use that this year with Jeff Janis moving on to Cleveland. They lost probably their best punt gunner of the last decade. Um, and, and there's, there's question marks about some of the other guys who, who man that spot. Dimitri Goodson's no lock to make the team this year either. So Packers could definitely use some of that, uh, that ability at that spot on special teams as well, which I think is, is part of why it makes sense. You talked about Mike Patton and, you know, the fact that Jim Leonard played for him, but it's a di- different, you know, defensive system a little bit. I mean, little every defensive corner brings their own flavor. Defensive coordinator brings their own flavor. So d- different from what Dom Capers was doing defensively, what might change for the Packers when they draft on defense now that Mike Patton's in charge of that unit? Yeah, I think the most pronounced difference is going to be how they use and and label the linebackers, um, and particularly the edge rushers. Uh, Petten has talked about how instead of having you know his his two outside linebackers be kind of interchangeable, he looks at them as kind of being separate, distinct roles from one another. So the Nick Perry side, he kind of refers to that as the rush linebacker. Um, you can look at it as a Leo and some of these other schemes, you know, the Seattle or the Jacksonville scheme, um, as opposed to the the strong side linebacker which is a little bit more of a prototypical Sam linebacker than um, than the Packers had run under Dom Capers. So I think you're going to see some more, a little bit more 4-3 concepts than Capers ran. And I think the that brings into play, maybe even in round one, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, who not not really truly an edge rusher, more looked at as kind of an off-ball linebacker, but he could play that that Sam linebacker role, um, you know, learn behind Matthews for a year and and step into that uh, that role maybe as a starter in year two. So I think that's probably where the biggest difference lies. As far as the defensive line, it's still kind of the same concept as far as, um, you know, you've got your five-tech, your one-tech, and your three-tech uh, as, your th- as your main three-down linemen, and you're still looking for similar kind of body types there. And then and back in the secondary, you're still looking for big press corners uh, because Petten does like to, to still have those those guys out on an island and pressing the receivers. So from that perspective, I think the biggest yeah the biggest difference is going to be at the linebacker spot and just how he uses those uh, those edge rushers a little bit differently. You also might find this surprising, but some of the people that I've had a chance to talk to are actually. I call them anti-Teddites, people who were (laughs) fans of Ted Thompson, are actually wringing their hands because Ted Thompson's going to be in the war room. I think it makes sense, obviously, for him to be there. It doesn't mean he's going to be a major influencer, 
But as we look at this new regime, there's still some questions because this is their first draft as their own entity. There, there could be some surprises. I mean, we think we know how they're going to tr- look and how they're going to draft. But, I mean, we can't rule out the, the, the possibility that there could be some curveballs thrown at, at the fans. Definitely. And this is something I sort of addressed a little bit this week and going trying to project what the Packers draft boards might look like, Um, particularly on the offensive line. That's where I'm I'm curious, because the Packers have have for so long prioritized guys who played blindside tackle in college. They never drafted under Ted Thompson a single uh, interior lineman before round five. And so I, I'm really curious to see if they show an interest in, in a guy like Will Hernandez or some of these other guards um, who, who kind of fit what they like to do from, from a schematic perspective, but they just don't have that blindside tackle experience. So that'll be something to watch. Um, as far as the way Gutekunst uses his draft picks, again, I think the the way they're set up this year sets them up a little bit better to to trade up. And and Ted has made some moves up in the past, but certainly not, um, you know, in that top ten range. I mean, let's face it, he really only had two top ten picks in his tenure uh, to begin with, so there there really wasn't that much opportunity. But um, yeah, the, the 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 trades I think are going to be interesting. Again, I, I do think they'll they'll end up trying to move up, but um, you know that 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 would be a little bit of a departure as well. And as far as Ted being in the war room, I mean, the, the guy's a scout. The guy's gonna gonna give you his his opinion on you know the different players that that he values at a specific spot if if he's called upon. And now the the difference is just that Gutekunst is the one making the call. So I. I for anybody who's who's upset about Ted being in the war room, I, mean, I think that's patently pretty ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. You want your best minds in there. You want your best scouts in there that you can, you know, when you're on the clock, you look at a guy and say, you know, are we sure about what we think about this guy? And when Ted's your best evaluator and he says yes, then then you roll with it. We're here with Tex Western. Acme Packing Company here on Bucky's uh, Fifth Quarters Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, before we get into even like some talk about schedule or potential Aaron Rodgers mad, not mad with the Packers or, you know, now that he's <laughs> bought a, a stake with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, is a limited partner, if you will. Uh, Shaquem Griffin and Scotty had brought this up uh, in, in our notes for today, you know, Really intriguing story, obviously. Central Florida uh, has, you know, one hand, but he impressed, you know, at the NFL Combine. Uh, all around an impressive individual. Where do you think he goes and his? what's his place in the NFL? Yeah, he's a really interesting guy to me. Um, part of, you certainly, you, you root for the guy and, and he's got a great story and he's a heck of an athlete, but I think right now he's a better athlete than he is a football player, regardless of the, the hand issue. Um, separating that out entirely, um, I, I, I think he's kind of one of those tweener, safety, linebacker, hybrid kind of guys, kind of like the Josh Jones, the Dan Buchanan, um, you know, kind of a, a weak side linebacker type. But um, I, I do think he's going to need some time before he can really develop into a, a really good NFL player just because, you know, some of the instincts he shows on tape, um, you know, leave you wanting a little bit more. So I, I could see somebody reaching for him for, based on his athletic ability somewhere, you know, in the back half of day two of the draft, you know, sometime in, in the third round. Um, that That's probably where, where I think he ends up. Um, and again, somewhere in that, that kind of hybrid safety linebacker role makes sense to me. All right, so one of the other controversies, and, and Jake had just alluded on it, and I, again, I think sometimes these are things that are much to do about nothing, right? But the the whole Aaron Rodgers being upset because he might not have been consulted on it, on some of the moves, and I was actually asked this when I was doing a radio spot in Kansas City earlier this week, and I said, you know, part of it is maybe some frustration because of how close Rodgers was with Jordy Nelson. It's a different regime, but in the end, Tex, I mean, I think we'd all agree winning kind of cures any of those those odd feelings anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you, you hit it on the head. Is is yeah, he's he's bummed out. It's one of his best friends who's who's leaving in in a, a less than ceremonious manner. And yeah, you're gonna be a little bit bummed out. But um, I'm not I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into um, some of these anonymously sourced reports when you know Rogers, who admittedly he does a, takes very 
you know, great amount of care to cultivate his image and the way he's perceived. But, um, you know, when he's out there saying that, look, I, I, I was disappointed, but I understand it's a business. I, I don't see any reason not to, to take him at face value for that. Um, he's been around this league long enough to know that this is how it goes. He's seen these guys um, that he's been close to depart over the years. Um, whether again, whether it's Jordy Nelson, whether it's Richard Rogers going back farther, I mean, guys like Greg Jennings and, and some of these other guys, you know, it, it's part of the game. It's it's and to your point, right? If if the Packers go out and win a Super Bowl this season, we're we're forgetting that this even was a topic of conversation. Absolutely. Thanks, man. What? Well, feel free. I mean, we're gonna let you go just because you've done so much already, and obviously, I mean, we're oh, wait. Let's do one more real quick schedule. What do you make of? just what you've seen out of this schedule from, from the Packers and, you know, what was released by the NFL last week. And, and, and we won't ask for a prediction out of this, but what are some of the, the, the games that really that you feel should be circled on the calendar? I think it starts with the season opener right against the bears. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, with the team requesting to, to get that home game to start the hundredth season and, and all the festivities that are kind of getting, getting set up for that. I think that's going to be a blast. I think anybody in attendance in that game is, is going to be lucky because that's, that's going to be something special. Um, just in general though, the schedule seems to be set up rather strangely there. It's very front loaded and back loaded with home games. So you got three home games in September, you got three home games in December and, and that middle part of the schedule is really going to be quite the gauntlet. You've got the Rams, on the road, followed by the Patriots on the road. Um, quick stop at home for the Dolphins, and I think the Seahawks the following week on Thursday night. So that's going to be a tough stretch, and I think that's going to be really the, the stretch that defines um, this season for the Packers. I think they'll start strong with that that nice home stretch. I think they'll finish strong with some some home games against some some teams that play in the domes with. Uh, Arizona, Atlanta, and Detroit being those final three home games in December. Um, so I think that sets up well. But yeah, it's, this season's really going to, I think, be defined by you know late October into the end of November um, when when they've got that real tough stretch. And, and you know what? A little uh, self-confession here. I used to be one of the guys when a schedule would get released in April, try to figure out and predict which games they were going to win and lose. And I found out after a couple years of that, like, you know what? Things are going to happen that you don't expect. I mean, look at the Packers last year, right? People were probably predicting, yep. you know, hey, well, we're going to lose that game to the Packers with Aaron Rodgers coming in. Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and that was the end of uh, a lot of that. But it's still kind of fun to look at. No matter no matter what we know to be fact and, and the logical part of our brain, it's still fun to look at that schedule and try to figure out where you think, you know, they're going to win or lose or where they're going to have a tough stretch like you mentioned. It's it's it, The NFL, man, they, they just figure out a way to make everything important. Nobody really cares about the Major League Baseball schedule release or the NBA <laughs> schedule release, but, man, they care about this one. Yeah, and I think it's just because there's there's so many fewer games in football, and you know every game takes on such a big impact on the season, on on the playoff picture, and everything. And so you know when you only play once a week, um, I think that's that's part of of what it is. Is it just you know every game is magnified and uh, becomes this big spectacle, and and it's it's easy to to break down the matchups that way when you've got those that finite number of of contests. So it is kind of kind of fun to go through it. I, I'm I'm with you. I, I tend to not do the the game by game predictions but um yeah if you if you tell me look at this schedule and and give me a guess at at, uh, what the packers with a healthy aaron Rodgers do i say this sets up pretty well for them to make a run in a first round buy i'll just leave it at that excellent you know it's uh as always great talking with you tex give us a little morsel a little bit of a, a teaser of what's to come this weekend, this very busy weekend for you at Acme Packing Company with you and your great crew. Yeah, you bet. Well, we'll have uh, we'll have live threads going through each of the three days of the draft. Um, make sure to keep it locked on Saturday. We always um, make sure you're staying up to date with the undrafted free agency tracking, uh, all the signings and rumors as far as that goes. Um, that's always a, a big deal uh, following along with all those um, those news reports after the draft. Um, we'll, we'll get you with some, some analysis of each of the picks. We'll keep an eye on some of the other NFC North teams, see what they're doing. And, uh, before you, 
uh, get tuned in for the draft tomorrow night. Check out some of the uh, work we've done as far as predicting what the Packers might do, some of our mock drafts, as well as our projection on the draft boards based on uh, based on the Packers' previous drafting uh, tendencies. We tried to project out which guys um, are, are good fits for Green Bay, so take a look at that as well. Excellent, man. As always, it's great having you on. Love to talk with you. A little bit down the road, rookie camps coming up, OTAs. Next thing you know, we're already talking about the season, Tex. We're already like in into the you know the big part of the schedule and, and talking about training camp and, and, and roster spots. Uh, love to have you back on soon, brother. You bet, guys. Always a pleasure. Go Pack Go. Guys, that's Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Now we're going to head straight into our interview with Alec James. We just recorded it a little bit earlier today. Uh, here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Check it out right now. Great content uh, and great conversation with the former Badger as he makes his way to the NFL and hopefully hearing his name called or being signed by an NFL franchise. So here it is on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth podcast and also the kielbasa king sports extravaganza we're going to play this interview uh, on both podcasts which are both of course brought to you by bucky's fifth quarter this week it is nfl draft weekend upcoming folks and we are right now it's a wednesday evening and we're really fortunate he made some time for us during a very busy time in his life we have wisconsin badgers defensive lineman alec james with us here on our shows alec how busy has it been? How's the training been? I mean, just it must be it's a crazy time for you right now, you know, just days away from finding out what's going to happen with your NFL future. Yeah, it's um, it's been real exciting. <clears throat> a lot of people talk about how stressful this time is and how busy it is, but um, to be honest, it's a blessing to be in this opportunity. Not many people get to experience this. So um, for me, since Pro Day, it's been, just been a lot of tra- training, eating right, taking care of my body and things like that. So it's been not too bad. So let me ask you, because we've heard so many different stories about, you know, different teams contacting different players every year this time of year. Um, are, are there any uh, teams that, that you've reached out to or that have reached out to, I should say, uh, of note? And, and have there been any interesting, you know, off the – the football field conversations because sometimes they ask questions that have nothing to do with football. Is there anything that kind of stands out that any of the teams have asked you yet? Um, no, nothing too crazy. Um, a lot of the kind of off the field questions I got down at the Shrine game uh, was just a lot of teams asking about any off the field issues and things like that. And um, that's something that I've never had had to deal with. I've always kind of kept my head on the right path and kind of just done my own thing. So luckily I've never gotten in any trouble. I was going to say with that too, like which, which teams, I mean, obviously you worked out in front of 32 NFL organizations on pro day back on March 14th, had a pretty good day. I must say 4.75 second, 40 yard dash, a 4.39, 20 yard shuttle, which I'm looking at the, you know, Defensive lineman in the combine, you would have placed tied for third in that category amongst linemen. And then, you know, seven seconds for a three-cone drill and, a, and big uh, 26 reps on the bench press. Uh, I mean, not a bad pro day, I would say, at all uh, on your part, my good man. Thank but, you. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, I mean, you, know, you worked out for those teams there, uh, but did you have you had any other type of training with those teams, uh, you know, in terms of personal workouts or, or, or flying out somewhere or driving somewhere? Have you have any, any NFL teams been in contact with you that way? Uh, so, no, I've just kind of been talking to them over the phone, um, answering any questions they have when they call and things like that. I haven't had any workouts or visits. Gotcha, I gotcha. But, I mean, with training, you know, I know you're back in the Milwaukee area in Waukesha training. Next level's been big for you. Uh, and, and I know, like, you've uh, just knowing the, the history behind next level. Yeah, you know, how have, you know, Brad Arnett and, and that team really helped prepare you for pro day and for, you know, what's going to lie ahead in the NFL? Oh, he's done He's done an amazing, amazing job. Um, kind of, if I, w- if I wish I knew or if I knew about him more um, back when I was in high school or kind of just in the off periods of college, I definitely would have went to the next level and got some training in. But um, he's done a great job with me. He's helped me in a lot of mobility and strengthening things. And uh, without him, I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I think he's that's probably the, the best part of this whole 
process has been meeting him and kind of getting close with him. Alec, you look at your career at Wisconsin, look at your career at Madison. Uh, second team, all Big Ten last year. Um, honorable mention the year before, three-time academic all Big Ten, which is so hard to do when you're, when you're as involved as, as you are with your schedule with football. But what sta- what are some of the moments that stand out that you that when you walk away from, from Madison, you move into the next level that will always stay with you as, as a member of the Badgers? Um, I would say probably three different things. Uh, the first, just the first and last time running out of the tunnel um, were kind of the biggest things for me. I still remember how emotional it was both times um, and kind of that unexplainable feeling. The second would probably be us winning the Cotton Bowl and just seeing all the confetti fall. Um, once that confetti fell, it was just kind of like slow motion, a real surreal moment. And it just, you know, all that work that's been going on all year from winter conditioning and spring ball to summer conditioning and summer or fall camp and things like that, kind of seeing it all come into fruition with the confetti falling was very, very special. And then the last thing would probably be the three-time academic All-Big Ten. Uh, that was real important to me coming into college, was just making sure I stayed on track academically. You're here with Alec James here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Where, you know, with when you have the journey that you've had where, you know, the coaching changes and uh, just you guys fighting through that adversity, is there something that, you know – what does it mean to have, you know, you being part of this class? It's one of the, you know, the winningest class in school history. Oh, it's a special group. I mean, these are all guys that a lot of them I came in with in 2013. And a lot of the guys that played their true freshman year, like Sheehy, um, when he was a freshman. So uh, it's a lot of guys that we've been through so much and we'll definitely stay in contact in the future. And it's more of just a brotherhood. I mean, guys say that all the time, but that's really what it is with us. And I think that's kind of the biggest reason we had success as a senior class. Well, I have a question for you, Alec. When you assess yourself and you assess your skill set and the things that you're going to bring to the next level, if I were a general manager and you know for an NFL team, and let's forget about the stats and the video, if you were going to tell me what your biggest attribute, what do you bring to my team? What what do you think that attribute would be? Um, so for me, I would say the biggest thing for me is just the ability to be coached. Um, you see a lot of guys who they always want to make the big play or they don't. They think they know more than the coach, and you see all these egos and things. But one thing that I learned playing in our defense at Wisconsin is you've got to do your job and trust the guys around you. If you the one time you try to be selfish is when the defense gets hurt and we get scored on. or You know, we play, we were a top. I don't know, I think three defense every year I was there in the nation. So um, just that that humbleness and that willing to be coached and apply any type of coaching would be probably my biggest attribute. When it comes to, you know, with those teams too, I know you mentioned after Pro Day talking to us, us reporters about just, you know, where they're – looking to put you know talking to you like, i think at the east west shrine game and then uh, in general talking about maybe you know a 4-3 d end a 3-4 outside linebacker 3-4 end, a defensive end have teams you know when you've talked to them over the phone have they talked to you about where they see you and in, in kind of film work in terms of where they is that where they're still looking at yet or is that has anything changed there yeah it kind of just depends on the team uh, like i said 4-3 defensive end um, three, four outside linebacker to where I could set the edge on run and then bump in and pass rush on the inside during passing downs. And, um, that kind of helps just me be versatile and kind of be able to be applied to different teams. I'm here with Alec James here on Bucky's fifth podcast, the Kobasa King sports extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. It's, you know, what, what does it mean when you also, you know, we talking about, this team, you know, just uh, you're, you know, being from the, you know, Milwaukee area, playing at Brookfield East. I know we've joked with you and Chikwe Obashi about the Brookfield Central, Brookfield East rivalry, but uh, what, what does it mean to be an in-state kid? And then now you're, you know, you're on the doorstep of, of finding out your professional football future. Um, it's re- it's real special, just kind of the journey that I've gone through. Um. And, you know, this is something I've thought about since I was a kid, and a lot of guys have. And just finally being at this time to where it's it's kind of my time to have the opportunity to 
chase this dream and see if I can make it work. So you, we talked a little off the air about this, but I just kind of share with us any plans. I, I know you said you had some low key plans for the draft. You're going to hang out with family, but if you want to just let, let our listeners know what you're going to be doing in the next, I don't know, three to four days. Yeah, so I'll uh, head down to Cedar Falls, Iowa, on Friday after I work out with uh, Brad and a couple other guys. Um, then I'll just head down to Cedar Falls, Iowa, hang out with my family, and enjoy quality time with them while while I can. And then Alec, too. I mean, you know, looking ahead for this team coming up for 2018. I mean, what are your expectations on a broad level? For for this team, there I know a lot of offensive starters are returning. T.J. Edwards is coming back mm-hmm. at inside linebacker. Uh, broadly, before I talk about before I ask about the defensive line uh, that you know you're seeing now, you know Olive Songapolu kind of take the reins as a leader. Uh, but more broadly for this team, what are your expectations for them to carry on this winning tradition that you guys have really propelled this this program to recently? Um, I mean, I. I firmly believe that they're in good hands with leaders like TJ Edwards and Michael Peter. Um, and they'll, I, I have high expectations for them and I think they can fulfill every, everybody's expectations. They got a great team and a great head coach and a great program like everyone's seen the past years. So uh, it'll definitely be a fun season. It'll be interesting to watch. And, and then, you know, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the, now looking at the defensive line, you know, I talked to Olive a little bit during spring. I talked to, you know, Garrett and Isaiah a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, what what are your expectations for that line? And, you know, with that depth, I mean, with you and Connor and Chikwe, you guys played, if I'm not mistaken, about, you know, almost 160 games uh, and just almost, you know, in quite a few starts uh, among that as well. What, you know, what do you see or who do you see, stepping up, you know, not just those three, but who do you see behind them in like a Craig Howe, Aaron Vopel, David Pfaff, uh, Keldrick Preston, uh, Preston, even, you know, the true freshman Bryson Williams, if, you have, if you've had a chance to see him here and there, you know, what, you know, what do you see out of that defensive line and, and who could step up to provide more depth in that rotation? Um, as far as the young guys, I think um, they all are going to have to compete. I think that they have a good, it's a good group that has a lot of experience playing against Obviously, our O-line, who's one of the best O-lines in the country. So that's going to help them a lot, and they have to make sure to rely on that every day in practice. And they just got to keep listening to Coach Noakes. He, in my opinion, is the best defensive line coach in the nation, and he'll definitely get them ready. Um, As for specific guys, I think they all got a chance to compete, and they just got to keep listening to Olive. I'm I'm really excited to watch Olive play this year just because it's a guy who doesn't really give much credit playing, um, playing nose guard, but... He's also one of those guys who's always putting in work when no one's watching. He's always doing the right thing, always taking care of himself. And um, I'm excited to see how the senior year goes. So, Alec, I know that obviously the players that are leaving, especially when they've had such accomplished careers as you, they always remember the team stuff and their teammates, and that's great. But aside from the on the field and the football-related stuff, what are a couple of things you're going to miss most about Madison? Um, the scholarship check, <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing. That was, that was always nice collecting once a month, but, um, other than that, um, a lot of it is just the foot, the football aspect, to be honest, just the brotherhood of the locker room, the locker room stories and conversations and things like that is probably what I'm going to miss the most. Um, I, I actually drove to Madison today and just kind of how, how nice the campus looks. I'll miss kind of riding around that every day on a moped, but. Um, now it's time for the next phase of life. With, with that, okay. Another question about Madison. What's your what? What's been your favorite restaurant at to go your go to restaurant Ooh. in Madison? Man, um, I don't know. I was kind of I kind of liked anywhere <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with a lot of places in Madison, like Dottie Dumplings. If you oh. want to, I just got a Bison Burger from there, or Wings Over if I'm looking for wings. Um, Roast over on State Street. Pretty much anywhere is good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dottie's is the place to go for burgers. I tell you, man. Like I've taken, I think, countless people there. I recommended it. And they, oh yeah, that's they the all go-to come. spot. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and Wings over Madison too. I my work's right over there. I we take care of that right off. Right, you know, like anytime a Friday, <laughs> I need a cheat day for my workouts, my diet. Yeah, oh, I'm headed perfect. straight there. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, now when it comes to two with 
you know, also I know you know it's been well established. You love the movie Shazam, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and oh Kazam. Oh Kazam. Oh my gosh. Kazam. I'm sorry. See, <laughs> okay. now, I'm surprised you didn't hang up on me in there. I apologize on that, Alec. No worries. Uh, how could you get that, Jake? How could you get that wrong, man? I know. I know. I've known Alec for how many years? I'm sorry. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, are you, are you along those lines? Are you, you know, what can you tell just the fans, like just how that grew and, and what inspired it? What, why do you love that movie? And did you want, maybe, maybe for punishment, maybe I, I need to watch that movie. Maybe not in punishment, but I need to see that movie. But how did that grow? How did everything grow for your love of this movie? Um, yeah. So growing up, um, I was always like, I've always watched basketball and football and different sports and, I always liked Shaquille O'Neal just because how funny I thought he was. And he wasn't just a basketball player. He was also an entertainer. And it was just always cool to see his antics and everything like that. And then um, when I saw the movie, I, as a kid, I loved it just because, you know, as a kid, you always think about three wishes and things like that. And he was a, he was a genie. So um, just Shaq granting wishes was, was a great thing in my <laughs> mind as a kid. <laughs> and uh, there's there's one scene where, I remember as a kid, I thought this was the best, like one of the best scenes in the movie where the kid wishes for, for it to rain junk food and it just rains junk food all over the place. And I thought that was, that was so cool. (laughs) You know, as a side note, so in addition to the fact that I also enjoyed that movie, I, people still get on my case today because I think Shaq Diesel, the album, the rap album was oh, yeah. really good. Like I, I thought it was really good because of the collaborations, but people still give me a hard time because I'll still rock that album. Oh, yeah. No, I, I still do, too. He's got a lot of great songs. Uh, the Biological Father one, that one's good, and he's, mm-hmm. he's got some good songs. I'm he was like a multifaceted. Like he was actor, obviously star athlete, musician. I mean, in the early and mid-'90s, Shaq, he had it going on. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of why why I looked up to him. <laughs> I'm just looking up. Yeah, he's. I'm, at, I'm honestly right now looking up. Yeah, Shaq Diesel. It was platinum. It went platinum. That's yep. crazy. Exactly. Wow. Yes. Okay. I, you know what? Where was I? I, I should have been. I, I need. I should have listened <laughs> to that now. I guess that's what I'll be doing. Exactly. And now apparently uh, last year he released a diss track aimed at LeVar Ball. So uh, he has not given that yeah, up. Yeah, he did. I remember that. <laughs> he still gets in the booth. He's uh, He actually does DJs now. I heard he DJed at the Super Bowl, one of the Super Bowl parties. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, last this past Super Bowl. <laughs> he um, got his hand in everything. That, that's awesome. Um, before we let you go, too, I wanted to ask real quick, East Rush Shrine Game, you had a chance to play with Natrell Jamerson, you got to play with Leon Jacobs, and also on that, you were on the same field and, and part of that convoy that helped Natrell run 68 yards for that fumble recovery early in that game for a touchdown. How was that experience overall down in St. Pete? Uh, it was really cool. I kind of didn't know what to expect heading, heading down there. Um, I know Dar played in it the year before, so I got a chance to talk to him a little bit and kind of get his experience, but... Overall, it was, it was a real good time, and I didn't realize how much that they impact the community, and how much they do for uh, the community in the Shriners Hospital. So that was that was a real, real fun experience. And anyone who gets a chance to play there, I suggest they do it. And, and did you get? By the way, throughout this entire process, I you know it, I know you said it, you're, you're fortunate to be part of this process, but did you? I mean, have you reached out to any former Badgers about this experience? I know you know in terms of just the draft, the preparation, everything leading up to this. Yeah, so um, I've talked to TJ and Dari and other guys, um, Corey, just kind of how their process went last year and how they dealt with certain things and if they the questions they had and. Pretty much any any knowledge I can soak up, soak up, soak up from them, um, I do as much as I can. All right, we're wrapping up the show here, man. Big Scotty, another busy week, man. Another busy week. Uh, you know, last week Jack Sitchi on, uh, this week Alec James, and big thanks to him. And then, of course, big thanks to Tex Western for coming on to break down from a Badger or not Badger centric, but Packer centric point of view uh, heading into the draft tomorrow night. Uh, before we go, uh, what do you want to end with, my good man? 
Well, I think the really just a quick blurb here for uh, we talked a lot of football, and rightfully so. It is the eve of the NFL draft as we're taping right now. But the Brewers look like they've lost Eric Thames for six to eight weeks with a torn thumb ligament. And it just kind of goes to show when everybody was talking about, boy, there's too many players and what are you going to do with them? It, that's why you have depth, right? So anyway, more about that in, in weeks to come. Right, exactly. And, you know, Bucks uh, play the Celtics game six tomorrow uh, could be the end of their season. And the last time you see the Bucks play in the Bradley Center uh, or the BMO Harris Bradley Center, if you will. Uh, so uh, on that note, folks, uh, we'll tune in next week. Uh, we'll talk more Brewers. We'll talk some draft impact. Hopefully uh, in the next few weeks, get some draft picks on the show uh, like we normally do uh, each year. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have more going on. Big thanks again uh, to Alec James, Tex Western joining the show, and of course, to, you know, the Polish Rifle. Again, making another great episode here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. <laughs>